image of him just, you know, down on his knees, sweating blood, saying, if if it's possible, take this cup right. for me. You know, right. I don't want to do this. And that's how I felt. It's like, God, I don't want to do this. And yet his response was, not my will, but yours be done. And so I feel like that was my example. Um, and maybe probably why I could say early on, you know, I don't want to do this, God, but not my will, but yours be done. So if, if somehow you can get some glory out of this, then. Right. I want to welcome everyone to the Discover Crosspoint podcast today, and I am joined by Miss Tammy Allen, and I'm really excited about today's interview. Tammy, thank you for taking the time to come and join us for the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. I want you to start, if you don't mind, by just giving us a brief overview of your background, where you grew up, and then uh, how you got to Starkville and how you got connected to Crosspoint. Sure. I was born and raised in San Diego in California, um, lived there, um, grew up in uh, real close to the border down by Mexico, um, and then went to um, school at UC Santa Barbara, and that's where I met Peter. He went to school there also. Um, we got married about four years later, um, moved to Northern California, did our graduate degrees, and then uh, we moved to Canada, uh, to Winnipeg for three years, where he did a postdoc, and then he was looking for uh, a job, and uh, Mississippi State offered him uh, a job uh, in the fisheries department, and so we moved here in 2009. Um, that's how that's how we got to Starkville. Yeah, <laughs> long way around. Um, and then we uh, we were involved in a church um, for a while, um, and it was time to find a place where uh, our girls could really get connected, um, meet some other kids, and uh, where we could serve. Um, so we looked around and we found Crosspoint, and we enjoyed the fact that um, there's great worship. Uh, it was wasn't too small, not too big. Uh, felt kind of homey, but also uh, there was a great genuine faith uh, that we saw in the people at Crosspoint. And so uh, we started attending Crosspoint. Well, we're glad to have you as members at Crosspoint. I want to go back to your growing up in San Diego. Did you go to Mexico a lot since you were right there at the border? Or was it difficult to cross the border back then? It was not difficult to cross the border, no. Uh, and yes, I've been to Mexico a number of times. Uh, we always tell the story that uh, for my mom's birthday, one year we did uh, – a costume party because it's close to Halloween. And my sister and Peter and I decided to be the three amigos. Oh, yeah. So we made our costumes, but we needed hats. So we last minute ran across the border, bought sombreros and came on back. That is great. <laughs> so we had authentic hats for our costumes. And then I guess growing up in San Diego, that's also where the Navy SEALs do a lot of their training. They do. It's that close to where you grew up? It is. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see them in their training times, or they have a so there's a <clears throat> Coronado Island is right. It, yeah, is where it's done. Um, and I live very close to there, and so we would go to the beach there all the time. And you can see some of their um, their setup along the beach. And, right. You know, we would see them from a distance, and we would know uh, going to church there. Also, we knew uh, at one point a couple guys that were seals, and wow, so we could talk to them. That's neat. Uh -huh. And then you went from the beautiful area of San Diego. Eventually, you make your way to Winnipeg, yes. which is incredibly cold. Yes. How did you survive? <laughs> uh, 
you learn actually it, it's it's not as hard as you think if you dress properly and you know prepare properly and um when you live up there they know how to do cold because it's always cold right. so the houses are properly insulated and you know um, wear layers you wear layers yeah and All you always time. dress up nobody worries about their hair and you know because <laughs> you're wearing a toboggan or something they along call it a toque there a toque. yes i forget yeah i grew up in the south so it's a toboggan but up <laughs> right. there it's a toque it's a toque uh-huh. but everybody wears those all the time so you don't you worry do. about your hair right i mean some people would but you know, then you fix it when you get wherever you're going you put your boots on your jackets on and they have closets where like, like if we go to church right we bundle up we get in then you take all the layers off and you hang it up and so the and church has a closet for mm-hmm. the winter yeah, clothes. Yeah, a big room, really. Wow. With hangers and I've never store thought your about boots. That. And so the schools do, too. You go into the, the elementary school because the kids have to come in bundled up, and they they put all of their outer gear there and go to school. And then for recess, they put it back on and head outside. That is very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Just things that I would never think about growing up in the South. Right. So you've gone from San Diego to Winnipeg, now to Starkville. So you've had quite a contrast in your life Yes, between places. And I found the South to be more foreign to me than Winnipeg. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I I often say people from Mississippi can kind of go and adapt and live almost anywhere because it's such a weird place. But people who come to Mississippi, it's a struggle. It's like a culture shock. It's it's very different culturally. Yeah. yeah. Less so much less diverse than the places that I had lived. I see. Even in Winnipeg, there was diversity. Oh, a lot of diversity. Yeah. Very interesting. People from many different countries living there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, let's move to the second question I had for you. And I'd love for you to share your testimony of how you met Jesus and decided to follow him. Sure. Yeah, so I grew up in a family that was Lutheran, um, so always knew about God um, and Jesus and the Bible stories. When I was in junior high, my mom had my sister and I go to confirmation classes at our church. So again, we learned all the basics and all the the truths, uh, and I've always believed it, but I always knew there was something more that I was missing um, and was just always looking for that. So God really provided a great group of friends for me in high school, um, one of whom was a believer uh, and follower of Jesus. Um, But generally, we didn't get into a whole lot of trouble. It was just a good group of friends. I feel like God was even protecting me and watching over me then. But it wasn't until I got to college that I, I went away, four hours away from home, and so I was looking for friends, looking for community, and so I was looking for churches, trying to, f- to figure out where I wanted, who I wanted to be with. Um, so I, um, I think it must have been my sophomore year, I, um, I always did some kind of a physical activity class, tennis and swimming, and I joined one year uh, a ballroom dancing class. Ballroom dancing. Yeah, so, so I go into this class, and, and of course, that you dance with different people as you're learning the steps, and there were several, three or four guys in that class that I would be dancing with, and so we would just chat, and they were part of a Christian fraternity. So I asked them about that, and then I showed interest in it. So they befriended me, and they also brought in some more girls from a Christian sorority on campus and introduced me to them. And so I started spending time with them. They invited me to church. I went to a Calvary Chapel church. Yes. Um, 
in Santa Barbara. And that's where I heard that there was the, the more that I was looking for, the, right. that Jesus actually called us to surrender our lives and to follow him, not just to believe in him, but to follow him. And so that's when I gave my life to Christ and started, I joined the sorority and just started reading my Bible and just growing in my faith and getting involved. And, and Right. 30 years later, here I am. <laughs> here you are. Okay, this is off script. I gave Tammy 10 questions before this interview so that she would kind of know where I wanted to go, but you've brought up some things I've just got to chase down. Sure. So the ballroom dancing, Peter was at the same school. He wasn't in the ballroom dancing class with you. No. Okay, he was that not. was not at that time. No, no. No, okay. we, no, and the funny thing is we actually knew of each other. We lived in the same dorm our freshman year. Right. Um, and so he knew of me and I knew of him and neither of us would thought we would be like like each other basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, and his friends were just goof-offs and kind of rude and anyway. So, you know, I kind of judged him and vice versa and yeah. That's so, interesting. Yeah, we didn't meet uh, till our senior year. He lived downstairs from us, and um, I've never told you this. We've no, I've yet. not heard this story. It's funny because, um, yeah, he ended up living downstairs from me. It was four guys and four girls upstairs in off-campus housing. And um, when I found out who was moving in, he and his friend, um, I had had a class with his friend, and I just shook my head. I was like, oh, great. There, <laughs> this isn't going to be as great of a year as I thought it was. <laughs> that is so, so funny. But God had other plans. He knew better. So so have you used your ballroom dancing class anywhere along your life's journey? Have you gone back to it at any point? Uh, well, when we got married. you know, Right. Um, actually, Peter and I did take more, another class, mostly really? for him because I already knew how to dance. But um not, I mean, not, not in any. I just find other this so way, fascinating. But. We have a ballroom dancing class that's offered. I don't know if it's at the Sanderson Center or if uh -huh. it's at the Octibaha County Hospital Wellness Center, oh. but there has been a ballroom dancing class mm -hmm. that's offered. It's been offered several times mm -hmm. since I've been in Starkville. And my wife, Kelly, has often said, we need to go take that class. And I'm you like, should. I don't even know how to dance. And she said, I think it would be so fun yeah. to know how to ballroom dance. Uh -huh. So this is fascinating that it's you fun. know how. It's fine. I mean, there's so many different kinds of yes, dancing right. that you can do. So, I mean, you, you may just start with a waltz, which is very simple. Right. Easy. And, you know, move to the tango and other things. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Okay. UC Berkeley. Would not be a university in my mind without knowing much about what you've just said. They would have a Christian fraternity and a Christian sorority. Well, this is kind of interesting to me. Actually, we went to undergrad at UC Santa Barbara. Okay, UC Santa Barbara. Which is where I did that. But okay. UC Berkeley is where I did my graduate okay. work. Peter was at UC Davis. Um, and they do have uh, my Peter's parents, yes. my in laws. Both went to UC Berkeley, and my mother-in-law was in the same sorority that I was. Very interesting. Yeah. Because my, my perception always been that UC Berkeley is a very liberal university. Oh, I don't is. know how I've come up with that, but for you Oh, to, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. But, you know, I mean, God is everywhere, so right. you're going to find at him work. at every university, and yeah, right. he's there too. That's neat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's move to the next question that I had on the list, and that is recently you and your family uh, have been living through, and the only word I can come up with is a Job-like experience, 
And so I'd love for you to take a little bit of time. A lot of people who are listening to this are from our church. They're going to know the backstory, but there might be some other people who will pick up this podcast randomly. And so I'd love for them to know the backstory of what you've been through the last really six to eight weeks. Sure. Um, So uh, (laughs) I had um, the beginning of June, I noticed that there was uh, like a funny lump in my abdomen. And I didn't think a whole lot of it. I knew it was there, but I just kind of pushed it off. I told Peter about it and, and then we went on. It's been, it was a really, really busy summer. Um, so we just, I was dealing with ev- everything else that was going on. And, um, as we got towards the end of July, things started settling down a little bit. Um, and so I decided, well, I should probably have it looked at before fall, all the activities you know, got started. So I went into made just a general doctor's appointment, had her look at it. She sent me right over to the hospital to get a, a CT scan. And then within about an hour or so, I was back at her office and she said uh, that it was metastatic liver cancer and uh, which was not anywhere on anybody's radar screen uh, because I really wasn't showing any other symptoms um, that we could really point to that. Um, so, uh, came home and told Peter about it, but we didn't really tell anyone else because at the same time, my dad was in the process of dying. Um, he's been sick for many years and we've been kind of waiting for his body to finally be done. Um, and, and this, this was the time. So I decided to just hold off and not add that stressor to my immediate family, um, until we saw where kind of where that where right. that all um, ended, so um, so I went in um, the next week, got a biopsy, and um, it was still inconclusive. They didn't know where it started. They were looking for the origin. Uh, so so really, um, that set off about a month worth of testing that I went through. Um, I had PET scans, CT scans, MRIs, ultrasounds. Uh, they did genetic testing, all to try to uh, pinpoint the the origin. Um, so backing up, then um, the about a week later, on the sixth of September, my dad passed away. Um, and he he's a veteran. He was at a VA hospital in Florida, and um, it, I mean, God really provided there because he was in just a, a beautiful place. My mom, my brother, and sister were all there. Uh, and they FaceTimed me so Peter and I mm. could be there kind of watching after he passed away. They had a little service for him. Um, and that was, we didn't expect that, but it was very meaningful. And it, right. we felt like we could kind of be there with everybody too. Um, but at that time, only my sister knew about the cancer diagnosis. So um, so uh, after that passed the next day, I decided it was time to tell them I couldn't you know, carry it on anymore. It was the same day I called you right? and you told the church. And after church that day, I called, um, we did a FaceTime video, told my mom and brother, um, and the rest of, you know, their families uh, about the diagnosis. So right. the timing of it was hard <laughs> right. to have all of that happen at the same time. Um, uh, but God knows why it had to happen all at the same time. It's, you know, um, so so anyway, so then we've been just sharing and telling people about it, and 
walking through the process of uh, getting the final diagnosis. Uh, we went up to Vanderbilt University in Nashville and met with a great oncologist there. And uh, he told us early on what he thought it was, which is what it turned out to be. It's cholangiocarcinoma, which is bile duct cancer. So it's in the liver. It's the bile ducts that run through the liver. They come out and then they join the pancreas, the gallbladder, all that into the, the small intestine. So it's up inside the liver. It's not on the outside, but it also has spread to lymph nodes, um, one down near my hip and one up by my collarbone. So it's, it's in other places of my body, but um, that's why they call it metastatic, right. intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma. <laughs> Those are some really big words, yes. and you handled them so well. <laughs> All right, I want to go back, and I know this is these are not in my notes, but just some things you've talked about. I want you to talk a little bit about your dad. You said he was a veteran. Did he serve in a particular like Korean conflict, Vietnam? Yes, he was in Vietnam. He was He's an air, tra air traffic controller in Vietnam. Wow. I appreciate his service to our country. Yeah. So um, anyway, I just wanted you to kind of share a little bit about that. I know the morning you called me, I was not expecting the conversation to go in the direction that we went. And you were very specific when you when I answered. You said, hey, I've got some things to share, and it's going to take a few moments, and we're going to go from one thing to the next, and you just need to hang on. And I I couldn't imagine where we were going in that conversation, but you shared about your dad passing away and about the cancer diagnosis. and Amanda just, had COVID. And Amanda had COVID. Right. That's right. At the same time, it was quite a conversation. And this is about, I don't know, 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning. We're going to start church at 9 with a couple of Bible studies and then worship at 10. So, man, it was such a crazy morning for me. But, I mean, it had to be incredibly crazy for you over that stretch of time. So, like, talk a little bit about the emotional and physical and mental upheaval you've been through. <laughs> and then we'll get to the spiritual in a minute. But Right, right. Um, and it's in some ways hard to tease them out because yeah. it's all so related. It's uh, the word surreal is, is a good word to put on it. It's, and it's very hard to describe because, uh, just life kind of flips upside down and everything you thought was going to happen going forward is all of a sudden up in the air because right. you don't know now what it means. And at that point we hadn't got a diagnosis other than, um, it was in the liver, which I knew was not good. Um, right. so, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> It's just, it's even now hard to put words to describe how it feels, but um, yeah. it, it's like you walk around and life is going on normally around you and yet nothing is normal anymore. Yeah. Um, so uh, it feels, um, you know, there's, there's stress inside. Um, there's um, just uncertainty on how to, how to handle the days, what to do, what to think, you know, right. how, how to keep going forward. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, without talking about the spiritual side, it's kind of okay, almost so let's, hard let's, to, let's dive <laughs> to into dig that. more into that. So as people of faith, we, you're a follower of Jesus. You've talked about that, and that was part of why I wanted to get that on the record as we dived into the conversation itself. But, you know, we talk so much about 
trusting God, living by faith, believing He has a plan for our lives, yet in your circumstance, this is a season of complete uncertainty. And so I'm sure it's had a huge effect on you spiritually at some level. And there are probably days where you sense God's peace like you've never experienced it before, and then there are days you probably have doubts and fears that are unlike you've ever had before. So how how does all that work together right now? Let me um, get my glasses out so I could read. I want to read um, the first thing that I wrote in my journal the day um, that I got the cancer diagnosis because it's still true today, and um, it's it's kind of – well, I'll just read it. All right. (laughs) And then we'll talk. Maybe I'll read it. Okay. Okay. It says, I found out this morning that I have cancer. It has metastasized to my liver, but they don't know where it originated. I don't want to have cancer. I don't want this to be part of my story, but God knows. He is with me and he has a plan for this cancer in the lives of all who know and love me. I feel confident that he will bring good things out of this. If this brings even one person to Christ, it will be worth it. If it furthers his kingdom, it is worth it. I hope and I will strive to live this journey in trust and praise. I know it will keep me closer to Jesus, and I hope it will do the same for others. If this is how he chooses to use me for his glory, I am in. Lord, give me strength. Um, I just feel like that kind of summarizes my perspective on the cancer, because I'm kind of a, a bottom line person, yeah. Um, and I've never questioned why God allow, is allowing this in my life. Um, I not that it's a bad thing if someone does, it's just not something that I do uh, because it doesn't help me to question. It's a fact that this is where I am and God is with me. And I don't doubt that God knew that this was coming. Obviously, he knew that this was coming. Um, uh, you know, it's it's not a mistake. It's not out of his control. I just I just feel like this is just the turn that the path of my life has taken, and God is adding this to my story for a reason. And so I just want to be a part of that as much as possible to um, just, like I said, to further his kingdom and to give him the glory. Um, it felt like, uh, like I'd said, summer was really busy and things were crazy, and I, I honestly felt a little stuck, like I was in a place where I just didn't feel... Uh, I, I don't even know. I just, I kind of felt stuck and I thought, God, how am I going to get out of this? I don't feel like I'm living my fullest life. I don't feel like, like I'm doing exactly, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. Like there's, and I just don't know how to change it. Um, things just aren't right. I don't know what's wrong, but I don't know how to change it. And I feel like God unstuck me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because I almost feel a little bit more alive now um, because a lot of things, a lot of junk just falls away when you're given the diagnosis that you may not survive. And so um, now I feel it's my opportunity to just give all I've got to giving God the glory in as much as I can. Because, right. I, you know, some days, I know we'll get to this, but some days now are really hard because I don't feel good. Right. And, um, and I also... I had to give up all of the activities, the work and things I was doing in order to to take care of this situation. So 
life has just <laughs> kind of come to a halt in some yeah. ways. And so now it's a matter of, okay, God, now what do you want to do? I've got all this time and, and, you know, you have a story to tell through me. So, so that's, that's kind of what I'm just trying to do because otherwise there's no point to, to cancer and there's no point to, to right. life if it's not about what God's doing. I admire so much your approach from day one, and that's what's so amazing. The page that you just read, I could see if somebody might write that three, four, five months in, and they've kind of wrestled through the issues, but to get to that place where you've let go of the why questions, and you've already decided, I'm going to focus on how this can be used for God's glory. It's incredible that you were able to do that so quickly on the very first day. I don't know that I've seen that happen that quickly for most people. But I, I'm I'm assuming, though, there are still moments in spite of you not asking the question why, there are still moments where you go up and down and have questions for God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those it's, days are still there. Oh, it's not an easy journey at all. Um, and... Uh, and I still say, I, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> right. I, I don't want, I, I, I wouldn't choose it. Um, uh, it is hard and it's impossible to wrap your brain around how to live right now. You know, I, I, I try to figure that out. Um, how do I live, like I said earlier, with life going on normally around me and yet there's nothing normal for me and right. how to how to just have joy and gladness in a day when my brain can flip to but you may not be alive or you know or you may be super sick and not be able to enjoy these tomorrow and yeah um so um so yes every day is up and down sometimes it's moment by moment um I am sure that I have cried every single day, you know, in right. the last two months, um, to some extent, you know, sometimes more than others. Um, but I think I always come back to, um, I'm alive today. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm alive right now and I'm fairly healthy right now. And so I need to live today. And if I put myself into the future and I'm not, and I'm, Forgetting that God is with me in the future, I start to fear and to worry. And so I just bring myself back to today because all any of us has promised is this moment that we have. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. Right. So um, if I can keep myself living in what God has for me at the moment, then it's much easier. That makes sense. Um, Not to distract from your story by any stretch, but I lost one of my closest best friends in college from college, uh, in a car accident shortly after we finished seminary. And one of the things his wife, when I finally got to their house and we had a chance to talk, one of the things she mentioned is she felt like having quiet times alone away from everybody. Because at that point, after his death, you know, everybody came in and was trying to offer their sympathy and their concern, and rightfully so. She said, I just feel like I need to walk away from all this at times to be alone, to process and to talk to God about what's going on. I'm assuming that might have been something you've experienced in the last few weeks. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know people are reaching out to you and, and they should be. And I'm sure you're grateful. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But having quiet times with God just to process and cry out and tell him how you're feeling, I would think would be very important right now. It is. And, um, uh when there's a lot of p- 
people around, even if you're talking about God or you're talking about your faith or whatever it might be, it's not being with God. You know, right. in, that, in that place where where you let everything else go and you just are in the presence of God and you can just rest there. And so, yes. And I think that's what she was looking for. I like what you just said. I think she was looking for the rest of God because everything else in her life was chaotic in the moment. Right. They had two small children and oh, you'd been the pastor of a church and it was just a tragic accident. A, a, a drunk driver came across and hit him and he died. So it was just very sudden. But I think that's what she was really longing for in those quiet times was just the rest of God, right? which is hard to find when there's so much activity going right. on. Right. And I think even in our regular lives, we don't understand how important that is because we're rushing around and doing so many things all the time. But the real rest of God's found in the quietness of just being with Him. Mm-hmm. So, taking the time. That's right. And I find that uh, unfortunate, you know, being on this side now. Because we, we know that's where we need to be. We know we yes. need to be in that place and taking the time to just be with God and be quiet before him. But um, it, it's usually not until you get to the point where you have to do that to, to keep moving forward right. that we really do. And I, I wish that we could somehow. <laughs> yeah. To f- and, and I guess that's why I wanted to bring it up, because I think... I mean, you're forced into it by what you're going through, but as you just said, that's something we all should be striving for. Right. So it's very similar. Right. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Peter and your girls, mm-hmm. uh, Amanda and Cassie. I know this has been traumatic for them as well. How are they doing? How have they been a support to you? And then I, I would even like for you to talk a little bit about for parents the process of how you've thought through communicating vital information to your girls. Because, I mean, if you're a parent in your situation, you need to communicate to them, but you don't want to overwhelm them. So all of that kind of wrapped into one question. Sure. Uh, Well, honestly, I think everyone's doing well, you know, given, given the circumstances, Peter is, um, you know, he's just been, a rock, uh, you know, he's, he's very solid, um, supportive. He's there, you know, whenever I need him, he's been to almost every appointment. Um, and, uh, he's, um, yeah, he, we were talking the other day too, and, um, we both feel this peace and we know that it's of God and we know that it's the prayers of people for us. Um, because there's an incredible peace that, we're, we're experiencing and walking through this. Um, so he's able to, to handle, you know, the situation and, um, his work has been really supportive and helping him and giving him flexibility. And so, so we try to, to just keep talking, communicate, spending time together, you know, just enjoying, just continuing to enjoy life, you know, um, together and, and learning how to communicate about it. Um, you know, because it it affects him and I differently, and so we need to continue to communicate about how right how we're both feeling and and what we're experiencing. And so um, the girls are also handling it fairly well. Um, you know, we didn't tell them that this cancer is not curable until we got the final. Um, you knew definitively it was right, right. Um, which was. Uh, Gosh, later, you know, they they already knew about the cancer. Um, 
So I'll back up and I'll tell you. So they, uh, that morning that I went in for my doctor's appointment, we were having breakfast together. And so everyone knew I was going in for the doctor's appointment, including the girls. And, um, so I get a text from Cassie in the middle of the school day saying, it's cancer, isn't it? <laughs> wow. And I, thought, uh, and I said, well, we'll talk about it later because <laughs> I'm not going to text her. So she just like perceived that. that. That's Cassie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was kind of the worst fear kind of yeah. type of thing that she threw out there. But um, she was, you know, hoping that I would yeah. say no to that. And so um, I did pick her up from school and I said, Cassie, you don't ever ask somebody that big of a question on a text message <laughs> while you're at school unless you want to hear the answer. Right. And I said, but unfortunately, it is cancer. And so um, I, I told both girls that and... Um, and they they took it okay. Um, but again, like I was saying, we didn't tell them that it was not curable until you know about a month later when we we knew for sure. And that was, of course, a harder conversation. Um, but we we tried to prepare them along the way that I'm going to get sick. This is going to be hard. You know, I'm going to have to do chemotherapy. We didn't know at the time, but it could involve surgery, other things that that you know this is going to be a really hard thing. Um, and then. Um, we told them that, you know, outside of a miracle, that I, I, humans cannot cure this. Right. So um, we, we sat and we talked through that, too. We cried a little bit and we talked about, well, what do we want? You know, we like you were saying about your friend, he died without any warning right. and had no chance to, to, to finish anything, to say right. goodbye. And so the one thing uh, we that I said to the girls was as hard as this is we have time you know um we have time i can finish strong right um we have time for a miracle you know who yeah. knows right um you know but it, we have time to do things so we discussed well what do we want to do together you know what experiences what can i teach you what do we want to talk about um so we, we've kind of had those kinds of conversations of how do we how do we use the time that we know we have to the best, you know, for the best use right. and just to, to, you know, to enjoy had, it as much as we can. I so. had somebody ask me um, after you began to get more and more pieces of information, I think after you found out that this was a incurable situation, somebody said, do you think they'll take a trip and just go somewhere that they all four want to go and spend just a week, even though the girls are in school? And I said, I don't know, but that's a great idea. But I'm sure they're talking about those kind of things. So right. it's kind of encouraging to hear, like, internally, you've had those conversations. Mm -hmm. What do I want to teach you? What are the things I need to communicate in case the miracle doesn't come? Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And we have talked about that. Um, I don't know that I can go to a foreign country right now. Yeah. Just with the, the treatment and all. Um But we've been, like, going to national parks and things like that. And so... We thought, oh, the girls really, although they lived in the snow for a couple of years, they don't really remember it. So we thought maybe we'll take a trip and go up and to a cabin in the snow and, you know, just right. do some things that we haven't done before, experiences that we can have together while we're all together. So, right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right. So you're in the treatment phase at this point. You've had several rounds, two two. The first round, but it's got two parts to it. Now, this is your off week. That's part of why we wanted to do the interview this week. Yes. Tell us about the treatments and how that's going. 
Uh, well, um, it, I, I guess it's going better than it could be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they give you a list of all kinds of side effects and things that could happen. Um, so the first week, it's a three-week cycle, three week cycle. So the first week I get two chemo drugs and an immunotherapy drug. And um, I feel really good the first day because I've got all kinds of anti-nausea medications and steroids. And so I, I, I'm full of energy <laughs> yeah. and doing good. And, and I've decided that that's the day I need to eat as much as possible because I can eat on that day. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, but by the second day, my body's starting to feel it a little bit more, all kinds of different things going on. You can imagine with, you know, those harmful chemicals in, in your body, what it's doing to your whole body. Um, but the biggest things for me are um, losing my appetite and being just incredibly fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it slowly kind of progresses as the, the week goes on. Um, and so my big struggle is trying to figure out how to to eat. Um, I'm wanting to, and and I put some pressure on myself. I want to be able to maintain as much weight as I can and stay as healthy as I can so I can enjoy the life that I have, um, as much as possible and, and do whatever God has for me. Um, but, um, so that's, so that's a challenge trying to figure out. Um, and, and I think it's just a process of figuring it out as we go through the weeks. And then, um, and, and just having to rest, you know, and, and not be active because my body just doesn't have the energy. Right. Um, but, um, but mentally I'm still there, you know, and I can, yeah. so I can interact with Peter and the girls and when they come home and, and, um, you know, enjoy time together. Right. Um, towards the end of the week, it gets emotionally harder too, I found. Um, so by Friday, I, I feel kind of the word I use to describe it is I feel very trapped because Trap. there's, um, it's the best word to describe because I don't feel good and I know I have to keep doing this and I have to keep making my body not feel good and not have energy and you can't quite see the end of it. And for me, uh, this could go on for the rest of my life. Um, and um, if I stop, then I have to deal with all the the ramifications of liver failure. And, you know, so you feel trapped in the, I have to keep going, but I don't know if I have the strength to keep going. That's a very interesting description. I've not ever heard anybody describe it that way, but I get what you're saying. I think that's a very apt uh, description because you don't really have a choice. No. Either way. Either way. Yeah. There's, there isn't a good choice. And so, and that's the point at which I, usually find myself because I don't feel good and I'm exhausted. And then I realize I am not, I'm not sitting and resting in the presence of God. Right. It's harder to, when you don't feel good. Right. You know? uh, so that that's a new dynamic. And that's when I'll have to figure out is, is how do I find that peace and that rest to, to keep me strong and keep me not feeling so trapped uh, um, in that time. So again, that's part of the the process. Hopefully when I go back next week and we go through this again, that I'll, I'll figure that out a little bit more. Yeah. That, I guess this is kind of brought to my mind where it talks about Jesus, you know, in the agony of the Garden of Gethsemane. It has raised some thoughts just as you've said this. Did he feel trapped? Mm. He knew he needed to go to the cross. It was his, it was God's plan so that we would have the opportunity for salvation, but... 
as a human being, he knew the agony that was coming with that. Right. So maybe a part of that struggle in the garden was a feeling of being trapped <laughs> from a human perspective, mm-hmm. not, right. not the divine perspective, right. but right. it's, it's, that's exactly. interesting. Yeah. I like the description there, yeah. how you've put that in words. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's neat. And, and that, uh, the scriptures and the, the thoughts of Jesus in the garden is one of the first things I thought of early on when I got this diagnosis. Um, just kind of comparing Jesus' walk with that and, and then mine. And obviously, I'm not going to save the world. <laughs> right. You know, but um, but I could see that, I guess, I relate to scripture a lot more now mm-hmm. in this struggle. Um, and so I, I felt like I could relate to the human part of him going there and and that image of him just, you know, down on his knees, sweating blood, saying, if if it's possible, take this cup right. for me. You know, right. I don't want to do this. And that's how I felt. It's like, God, I don't want to do this. And yet his response was, not my will, but yours be done. And so I feel like that was my example. Um, and maybe probably why I could say early on, you know, I don't want to do this, God, but not my will, but yours be done. So mm. if, if somehow you can get some glory out of this, then. Right. Then let's. It's interesting. Do this. You and I have not talked about this at all, and it's not in my notes no. or yours. It's just <laughs> something that has popped up. But it's interesting. You were thinking about the Garden of Gethsemane. It's come to my mind as you use the word trapped. So yeah. obviously, it's something God is uh, speaking to us about, it needs to be communicated at some level as a part of this podcast. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I know you've had a lot of good friends, and our church has tried to reach out to you. Um, how has that been an encouragement? And and what would you say for churches and friends in the future who have people that are going through this? What what can they do that would be really encouraging to someone in your situation? Um, yeah, you know, I uh, of, of everything that might make me cry today, this is the one because I like I can't even believe the outpouring of love uh, and support that we've received. Um, and I just, I, I know people tell me not to say this, but I, I feel so undeserving or so unworthy of, of just, of all of that, you know, um, it, it's, and it's amazing. I mean, it makes me so thankful and, you know, and just praising God for seeing his body at work, um, and, and really stepping up and, and just loving us and supporting us. People have just done all kinds of things. Um, We've got, you know, meals are coming um, so that we don't have to, to worry about that. And um, people are sending messages, um, cards, you know, gift cards, um, different different gifts, you know, a variety of things, flowers, and just um, just letting us know in a variety of different ways that they're praying for us. And if there's anything anyone can do, you know, that they – I know people genuinely will um, – will do whatever they can to help us. Uh, people are so genuine about that. Um, you know, at church, people just smiling, giving us hugs and and, and talking to us. Is, it's just knowing we're not alone right. is, is helpful. Um, 
And and no one really has gone overboard. I know people are real careful and they say, oh, I don't want to, you know, bother you too much. And uh, and I always tell people, you know, if I can't respond, I won't, you know. And, right. and I know you're not going to take it personally, you understand, but don't be afraid. And so I guess that's what I would say to people is not to be afraid to talk about it and, and to, to don't worry about bothering somebody um, because it means more to know that that someone cares and someone's thinking about you um, than t- to, to not have that, you know, th- than to be, you know, too bothered by right. it, if that makes sense. Um, well, there, there was a day early in the process where I think you'd gotten a good many text messages or phone calls or something. And you sent me a text and said, I just need a little space. I'll be glad to answer people's text messages tomorrow. If you can right. just kind of let everybody know for me. And I, I really appreciated that because I thought it was very important for you to have the time you needed to right. process that particular day. Right. And so I sent a few text messages to people and said, hey, I know you, you're interested in what's going on, whether you'd like to have a feedback, you know, from yesterday's appointment or whatever, but just give her a little space and then she'll she'll let you know tomorrow. Right. And I think everybody was okay with that. Yeah. So I think yeah. the honesty and the transparency is very important. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. Well, it is. You have to, in in my situation, anyone in my situation needs to communicate what they need. You know, I, I have to be willing to say yes to a lot more help maybe than I'm used to. Right. But I also have to be able to say no. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I can't do that or I can't respond or, you know, and that particular day I was just done <laughs> emotionally. Yeah. yeah. And I, I said, I just, I just need to not talk about anything nothing you know um just to, to to take a break right and let my mind rest so you have to learn you know to to do that um and and trust that people will understand <laughs> right and the other uh, the other piece i found real interesting that i will take going forward too is um many people offer to help and um a, and we appreciate that and we know that they will and they say when whatever you need let us know I would encourage people, and I know this could go a little overboard if everyone did it, but but there are also people who said, I want to bring you a meal. Which day works, Tuesday or Thursday? And those are the people I say yes to more often because they've actually given me a specific way that they're going to help me. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone said, do you want to go for a walk tonight? Or can I do this for you? I'm much more willing to say yes and and to invite that in then then just a blanket let me know what you need because right you know need is kind of relative and well do i really need their help and do i want to inconvenience them as right. opposed to someone having said this is what i have to offer you can this be of help to you and so right. so for people wanting to help if you have something specific to offer you know i would say Offer offer the specific thing, and if they say no, it's it's just right. It's okay too. You know? yeah. But, yeah. So if they say, "I'll come back in your house Tuesday <laughs> night," you'll say, "Yes, come and back." Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So as we come to the end of this um, interview, are there any other? Th- I'm going to ask you in a minute to share some specific prayer requests that you might have for the people who are listening at this particular juncture, but. Anything else that has been on your heart that you just want to share in relationship to this overall experience? I didn't have that in the list of questions, but I didn't know if there were some other things you thought, hey, he didn't ask this, but I'd really like to say this. 
if if there are, I'll give you a chance to say those. Gosh, you know, there probably are, but <laughs> yes, um, there is another scripture that has come to me a couple times, and it's the the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right. When they're standing um, in front of the fire, um, they've chosen not to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's statue, um, and then they're threatened to be thrown in the fire if they don't. And so um, they tell him that even they believe that God can rescue them from the fire, but even if he doesn't, they're not going to bow down, bow down to the statue. Um, and so I know um, it, it's not directly applicable. Um, you know, I'm not being asked by the world to, to do something, but but I am being faced with something that I don't want to do. Um, and a lot of people are praying for me to be healed. And we hope that, that that's what God does. Uh, but I feel this story relates to me because um, I have to be able to say, facing that fire, my own fire, the, the cancer, and healed or not healed, whether or not he heals me, I am going to follow him and be faithful to him. And I am going to keep walking forward into this fire, um, trusting him and trying to bring him glory and, and do whatever work he has left for me to do. Um, so um, I guess I just, I, I find strength in that knowing that, that uh, God may heal and he may not, but either way, I'm going to just keep following. And I hope that encourages other people too. I appreciate you sharing that. It's interesting. You bring this up. We've been studying the book of Daniel in our men's Bible study that's on the first and third Friday mornings of each month. And we just went over this the part of Daniel where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fire. And it was just a Interesting, as we were talking through it that particular morning, you know, it is Jesus, I believe, who's in the fire with them. But even the king, Nebuchadnezzar, is able to recognize there's someone like a God who's in the fire with them. And it, I guess I'm going back to what you read in the first days reading from your journal. You've wanted to bring God glory. You've wanted people to see Jesus through this experience that you're going through and I'm convinced the way you're handling this, there will be people who are not believers who are going to recognize Jesus is there with you because right. of the way you and Peter and your family have just walked through this with such peace and grace. It's going to be evident to the watching world. You're not doing this by yourself. Jesus is with you. So as you talk about that, I can actually visually see in my mind that your family's demonstrating that. I hope so. Because that's the only thing that makes it worth it, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. So how can we pray for you specifically at this point? Um, I know this is your off week, first rotation of treatments, but still I'm sure there are things we could be praying for you about. Yes, yes. Well, I'll, I'll start again on Monday, um, and I'm trying to ignore that fact. <laughs> But, this is a Thursday. We're recording on Thursday. Oh. We'll release this on Monday. Okay. Sarav's here. He's our producer, and he'll be putting this together and release it on Monday, which is the day you'll be back at a treatment center. So, right. So I'll have two more rounds. So I would say pray for just physical, emotional, spiritual strength um, to keep walking this path, 
um, for courage to keep to keep going, even though I have to anyway. But just to be able to do it courageously, and um, maybe just for eyes to see God at work, you know, to, um, just those to see the examples of of how He's using this that gives me encouragement um, and helps me to be courageous and strong, you know, if I can see his hand at work, but um, also that we just continue to trust that God's doing things that we can't even see. Um, because the, the the Caring Bridge, if people aren't familiar with that, that has been a great resource for us to be able to get information out to a lot of people. Um, but it's people pass that on to other people. And right. I'm having people respond that I don't even, I've never even met before, you know, and and it's and I know that people are praying in cities and states, you know, that I, I don't know anybody and or I don't know the people. And so I I'm encouraged that that they are hearing the story and seeing, you know, God working. Um but um so just that um that God would continue to be working in all those people's lives, even if we don't see it, that that they might be encouraged to, you know share more courageously their faith right. or whatever it might be you know that um, if, if we know if we can trust that god's at work it just gives us more strength right yeah so your caring bridge site is tammy allen 22 i believe yes once you sign up for an account with caring bridge if right. you type in the i think it's like patient name or something like that tammy allen 22 i believe is what Right. Would take them to your information. There might be an underscore. I'm not. I'm not. I sure, can't remember. But um, if you get Tammy Allen in there, Tammy Allen 22. I know it's 22. It's 22. This is so the year. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So you should be able to find it right. if you want to go to the Caring Bridge website. So, well, Tammy, thank you so much for doing the podcast today. It has been a joy for us to have this chance to talk and let you share about your journey and what God's been doing in your life and. It is a Job-like experience is the best way I can describe it, but God's been faithful, and uh, He's just given you all such a peace and a graciousness to walk through this, as I mentioned a minute ago, that's unbelievable. It's His peace. I mean, mm -hmm. we know it's His peace mm -hmm. yes. and His grace. So I want to end by just um, praying for you, and then we'll conclude the podcast. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We just stand amazed in your presence. I know that's a song that we've sung in the past. I stand amazed in the presence, but we truly stand amazed in your presence today. You are the God of this earth that you've created. You're the God of who holds all things together. You're the God who has the knowledge of yesterday, today, and you have the knowledge of tomorrow, and you're going to be the same regardless of what has happened yesterday, today, or will happen tomorrow because you are an immutable God who never changes, and yet you're in charge, and you have a plan, and it's all working out according to your plan, sometimes even when we can't see it, and sometimes even when we don't want to walk through it, your plan is still being fulfilled. And so we just want to start by praising your name today and honoring you as the great God that you are, a sovereign God who rules over all things. Um, we pray today for Tammy. We're so thankful for how you are giving her such an incredible peace. You're giving her a grace to walk through one of the most challenging moments of her life. She did not expect this three, four months ago. She didn't see it coming. 
but yet you knew it was coming and you were preparing her, you were preparing Peter, you were preparing her girls. And now that they're in the throes of it, you're walking with them, just like she said, as they're walking through this fire, you're with them. And I pray that every day in the journey, in the fire, they will sense your presence. And not only will they sense your presence, but there will be people watching who don't know who Jesus is, who will see how they're walking through a fire with Jesus. And it will be attractive to those people and draw them to a place where they will decide to follow Jesus as well. And so we know that even in spite of all that they're going to go through and the difficulties that are ahead, you're working out a plan. You're making your name known in this earth through their experience. And Jesus is being exalted. So I pray that that would continue to happen each day of the journey. I pray this weekend that Tammy would continue to wrestle with the trap that she's talked about because today's Thursday, tomorrow's Friday. She knows Monday is just around the corner, and I'm sure that feeling of being trapped is beginning to reestablish itself in her heart. And I pray that as she feels that, at the same time, she will feel the release of grace that will give her the courage to go forward to Monday and receive the next round of treatment. And we pray that her body would respond well to the treatments and that she would have very minimal side effects uh, over the next round of treatment that she will endure. And we just pray that as she goes through this, um, again, her understanding of your incredible love for her would just continue to grow deeper and wider and stronger in her life. I pray for Peter. I pray for Cassie. I pray for Amanda that all three of them uh, would just be a strong support for her in these moments. Um, God, as a church, as a community of believers, as friends, may we just support this family in the ways that you inspire us to. May we be available and uh, walk with them as well. God, we love you today, and we know that you're going to work all things out to your glory and for your good name, and that gives us hope. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tammy, thanks again for being a part of today's podcast. And uh, for those of you who are listening, we hope that you've enjoyed the podcast. If it's been an encouragement to you, we hope you'll share it uh, with others that might need to hear it. And we'll look forward to meeting you again uh, a week from Monday. We're film, uh, recording this on a Thursday, so we'll meet you again a week from Monday with a new episode of the Discover Crosspoint podcast. Have a great day.